Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Right For Your Life podcast and I'm sorry to say that I'm joined by the lovely Manuela Boyle for the last time for the foreseeable future. She's away to do her own thing for a while but welcome Manuela. Thank you Ian and I'm sorry as well that it's the, our last collaboration across the airwaves for a while but I'm sure it won't be for a long time. I've got this uh, little project that I need to go and take care of and uh, I'll be back after that. So tell me what are we going to talk about today then? Okay so I thought that um, in lieu of brilliant preparation <laughs> as often um, I thought we would talk just a little bit or just for me to clarify a couple of points about the post that I uh, published on Write for Your Life just yesterday, which was called Can You Really Write a Book in Seven Weeks? Did you read it, Manuel? I have actually read it, Ian, yes, and I see that it's attracting quite a few comments as well. It's a bit of a discussion going on, and it's a very interesting topic. There is a discussion going on, and I, will, I, I need to go and uh, reply to those comments as well, because um, I haven't had a chance yet, um, but I will. But... Um, some of, the, some of the comments agree with what I was saying. That's a, a bit of background. So I wrote, um, I wrote about um, John Locke, who has uh, published... or sorry, he, he wrote a book in seven weeks. And um, this, this, um, I got this from uh, The Creative Pen, which is a fabulous uh, blog uh, run by Joanna Penn. And um, it was John Locke sort of saying that how he'd written this book in seven weeks. He said that he kind of had it all planned out in his head and then he was able to do it. And what sort of book was it, Ian? Um, I think it was, I think it's uh, sort of fiction. Fiction, actually. yeah. Um, I'll check that because perhaps I've got that wrong. But I think it was full length, it was a book, full yeah. length book. A novel then, I suspect. I think, I think that's right, yeah. yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, so just to, to clarify what I meant, I wasn't, I wasn't criticising him for suggesting for doing that in seven weeks I, I wasn't I don't I don't really with, with the best one in the world I don't I don't really mind either way what he or, or any sort of successful writer mainstream published or otherwise uh, or self-published not really fussed about that my, my, my sort of bone of contention is uh, that to write a book in seven weeks um, well first of all I do question the, the, the ability to write a book in seven weeks and for it to be any good my personal opinion is that um, any piece of writing of substantial length um, is going to need a lot of sitting, uh, sitting on actually. Whilst yeah. you know, there's that period of thinking, there's a period of editing and revision, feedback from others, that kind of thing. And I just don't see how you can get all those things into seven weeks. But that's kind of that wasn't really my main point. My main point was: is this good um, ad- advice for a new writer, or is this a good um, example for mm. a new writer? Or, or is or is it or is the, the the speed the time it takes to write a book? It worries me that there's a trend for that, um, and the ability to make money quickly through Amazon. Whether that's um, whether that is sometimes presented as being more important than making sure that whatever it is you're writing is um, is is finished, is is as good as it can be, is the best possible piece of work that you can that you can make it. But how do you know when to stop? Well, I guess that's the other end, the other end of the scale. I think someone actually commented that, and that's the one comment I think I've replied to, um, is that surely there's a point when enough is enough. And that is absolutely true, but that point where enough is enough doesn't necessarily mean that you've finished your, your book. I think that I've had at least, when I was writing my novel, which took 
seven years, not weeks, <laughs> tragically. That is too long. Don't ever take that long to write a book. It's a bad idea. Um, but I had several points where enough was enough, where I just thought, this is, I can't do any more on this. This is, this is finished. And I'm not talking sort of halfway through. I mean, actually, the novel yes. finished. Yes, And I would say, in, in, uh, in hindsight, when I submitted to my agent, when I got my agent, yeah. um, the book wasn't finished, but I'd got to a point where enough was enough. I knew I, knew I couldn't anymore. work out Yes, anymore. yes. Um, That's when you need an editor, isn't yeah. it? That, that informed opinion, really, um, for someone to say, uh, to get that, that sort of professional pair of eyes, second pair of eyes to go, OK, here's the distance, you know, I can tell you what I think, and this is how you should kind of change things. So you need that professional opinion, perhaps, at a certain stage, actually, to help you get ready for... for um, publishing and also to attract your readership. Absolutely, yeah. but and I would say that goes because when you talk about this kind of these kind of issues, it inevitably feels like there's a conflict between traditional publishing and self-publishing, and I just don't I don't see that there is this huge difference. It's writing, and it's hopefully what we're aiming for is good writing. Whatever, however, it's published doesn't really matter. So, was the the book in question was that self-published then or published digitally or yes, uh, yeah. Okay, well, you know, you, obviously it would be far too easy, especially since our last podcast, collaborative podcast for a while, if I agreed with you, because the fact is I don't agree with you at all. <laughs> I find that story of someone writing a book in seven weeks totally exciting and appealing. I think it's really, really interesting that someone actually will go, okay, so this is it, I'm going to compress my writing into this time skill. I think it might produce it's a certain sort of writing. It's one that perhaps is... I don't know, without having read it, it might be a bit more stream of consciousness. Um, it's, it's been through editing less, but the, for me, that doesn't devalue it any, any more than, than a, a book that's taken seven years to write. For me, you know, there are different sorts of writing, there are different sorts of authors, different sorts of art. Look at Jack Kerouac's On the Road, reputedly written in a weekend. For me, that's the ultimate. My aim is to write a book in a weekend. <laughs> but, you know, invariably, it's, it's probably going to be a bit longer than that, but... And unlike you, I've not written a novel. I have written many poems, um, which are a completely different kettle of fish. However, when I write poems, I do tend to not revise them. I do tend to go with my, my first attempts, and I stick with them. That's just the way I work. That's the way my writing comes out. Clearly, with a, with a larger piece of what you write, there's much more to sort of tackle. But for me... Writing something in a book in seven weeks is totally liberating. And the fact, the fact you can get it to market quickly as well is just sort of... is, is exciting too, so... I think yeah, and I, I, I don't really disagree with, with any of that, I don't think. And I, agree, I do agree that it's a totally different thing. And this is uh, Joanna, uh, who, whose post it was that I linked to. She was her was interviewing uh, John Locke. Um, she said this is totally... Diff- what he's doing is totally different to what you're trying to do is it yeah. what I'm trying to do I'm writing uh, I've written uh, literary fiction yes. which is you know it is a very different thing to what mm. he's trying to do and I, I, it's a completely valid point and I, and I to- to- totally appreciate that I also appreciate that it is liberating to and, and interesting and, and, and I guess quite exciting that there is if you can do it, then, mm. then you can put together a book in a very short space of time and get it to market. I, I, it, it is exciting. My point is, I, I've got, like I say, I've got no bones with John Locke or anyone else no. that tries to do that. My, my concern is that as a, that, that, would, that is not, not an especially normal way to do things, that it's, that it's it kind of... But do you want normal, though? 
Do you want normal? I want all I want is is people to or any writer, a new a new writer especially, is that for their order of priority when they start a writing project to be I want this writing project to be as good as it can possibly be mm. before I think about putting it uh, out to query or before I um, self-publish it. I want that to be the first thought in any writer's mind is to try and produce the best work that they possibly can. And I think that... Because this is the point. The stories about John Locke are very rarely about his writing. We're using him as an example, but there are other examples. You very rarely hear about what a brilliant writer he is. And I'm not saying that he isn't, but the focus is always on how quickly he's written it or... How many he's sold and how many... But that's because that's the story, isn't it? That is that, that, that is, is the story. That's just the spin on it. That's kind of, again, we've talked about this before, about what, what makes the headlines, what sort of what the hook is, I suppose. But those headlines and those hooks, for a new writer who's, who's, who, who hasn't been doing it for, for years, hasn't uh, seen how the industry has changed and is changing, then that's the first headline you see. You can write a book in seven weeks. If a writer starts out thinking that's how that's I could I could do that I could write a book in seven weeks or two months or six months or whatever it is and they get two months in and think well that was a false premise I, I, that, that's impossible how have you done that then they never write again I think what I think that he I think that's not going to happen in a lot of cases though I think writers aren't stupid and I think they see a headline like that and they think oh that sounds preposterous but then something might go in off in their mind and they go oh well actually but maybe I could speed things up maybe I don't have to put my eyeball out and sort of feel that I've got to sort of spend X amount of time doing this. Maybe there is something liberating in producing work quickly. Um, you know, the people, artists work in different ways. That's why I think even though I understand your emphasis on quality and how that should be at the forefront of, of writing, at the same time, you can't, we can't influence people to sort of for that to be their kind of key... Um, the, the, the most important factor in their writing. You can't have that influence. But, we do, but people do have that influence. That's the, isn't that the whole point of uh, blogging and, and, and creating websites that do offer advice? That, that there is an influence there. That he, that, that, that is, that, I'm not saying that this could be any example now, but in, the, in that case, the fact that, he's, that, that, is, that that is the story that he's written it in seven weeks, that, no, that, that it is yeah, influential. I see what you mean, I do, but surely it's the plurality of voices. It's like, the, on, you know, online or from different writers, different stories. That's, that's what's important here because I don't think for a minute we can actually say quality should always come first. You're a new writer, therefore you should be thinking about quality rather than how quickly you can write your book. Because people work in different ways and we can't insist that. And quality's not going to grab headlines in the same way that writing a book in seven weeks does. And I'm not saying that I agree with that either, mm. that that's the way the world works, but it kind of is. Yeah, I'm not saying that a, that a new writer should expect to write a brilliant book. I'm just saying that they should focus on their writing before they start worrying about getting published or, or even anything else, that, that, you know, that it's the writing that comes first. They, I, I, I appreciate that there's the... the there's a certain amount of perhaps naivety about what I'm, what I'm saying, but I mean another thing that you are young, Broom. You are young. <laughs> if I know where you. Another one of the the uh, the, the uh, comments that Joanna made in her comments on on the post that I'd written was that John Locke is um, he's created a business. He treats it um, entirely as a business. That's what he's done. He decided to almost like. No, I haven't got a comparison. But that's the way he approached it. So to him, writing his business. And perhaps it is old-fashioned, but th- the idea that to write is... 
simply a business transaction than when, and I'm talking about fiction, of course, copyrights mm. in journalism, all that kind yes. of thing, fine. But to write a novel is a business, business transaction. I do think there's a bit of tragedy in that. I, I really do. But I know that a lot of people disagree because they're raking in money through Amazon and other places. And, and, um, and Pulp Fiction, that was the other thing that was the, the other example where you know, people have been doing this for years, just it's in a different format. Completely valid, but... I think it's a case in this in this of, of uh, listening to your own conscience, isn't it? That old <laughs> adage. It's, it's to do religious adage. You've got to you've got to make your own mind up what's right for you because we you know we can't prescribe that. I can't believe you disagree with me. Well, you know, it's not it's not that I feel like it's my job, but I do genuinely disagree with you. I'm sorry. It's last, just as well I'm going away for a while, isn't it? I know. Last podcast. <laughs> Friends as well. <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. I think that um, we there, is no right, there is no right answer, is it? But one thing that I think that is good about this, and why, kind of why I wrote it, because I kind of thought, well, shall I, shall I write this article? It's kind of what I, what I think, but, you know, I haven't read his book yet, so I'm, you know, I really should read that before I hit publish on the post. But I did think, you know, there's... there's... But you wanted to do it quickly, didn't you? And start a debate, <laughs> you see? Probably like John Locke did. Indeed, I did. But I did want to contribute to the debate because I think there is... Uh, I think it's important. That is, it's the beauty of, of, you know, good blogging is about, you know, having debate and offering two sides to a story. So, um, and same with podcasting too. Well, so. absolutely. And we'll look forward to kind of more comments really on this sort of subject about writing the book in seven weeks from our listeners, we hope. Yes, that, that would be nice to keep the comments coming. Um, okay, we'll move on to... Um, well, I just wanted to, I wanted to mention a little bit, a little bit about the uh, Booker Prize long list. Oh, was, yes. Which was, uh, came out last week. And the interesting thing... Um, there were, actually, there were several interesting things, but one of the interesting things is that four of the 13 nominated uh, um, long-listed novels are from independent presses. Now, that is interesting. If my math serves me right, that's about a third, isn't it? <laughs> my man, I mean, ne- nearly a third? <laughs> something like that. I, I, my math is nowhere near good enough to try such a simple thing. Um, but the, the, the reason I thought this was interesting because it's quite encouraging for new authors um, like myself and I think especially uh, new authors as in first time novelists yes uh, especially of uh, of literary fiction especially um, because part of the problem with getting published um, traditionally at the moment is that whilst the e-revolution has had a huge impact so has the recession and it means that people you know just in the same with so many other businesses in so many different industries, uh, companies are—they've got just too many overheads there, and mm. and they, it means that at the business end of things, that people are able, publishers are not able to take uh, risks on like they used to, uh, which is a shame because it means that um, lots of interest in books um, by um, a whole range of uh, writers, fiction, non-fiction, whatever, um, aren't getting published. Um, and it's encouraging for new authors that those smaller presses that are prepared to take risks, that they, they can get the recognition in the same way that the, um, the bigger publishers do too. So I thought that was quite an, quite an interesting thing. That was also, I thought I just wanted to mention that. I wonder if that's something that's particular to this year or whether that's kind of been a, been a trend that's been, that's been growing. 
Um, I, I don't know really. I think it's the most. I think it's mm, the most it's ever yeah, been. I think, that's, yeah. I think that's right. Right to say. I mean, I, I say it's encouraging for new authors, but one of the authors um, on the list who's published by Sandstone, which I think a uh, uh, independent publisher, and that's uh, Jane Rogers, who has had several novels, and she was my one of my tutors on my MA writing course. So I'm very pleased for her. Oh, excellent, excellent. And she's a widely published author, and um, you, you may know her from Mr. Rose Virgins, which was actually turned into a TV, yes. TV program. Yes, rings a bell. In the UK. And yeah, so, and so it's not just new writers, but generally speaking, it's, it's good that the Indies uh, would get uh, that kind of high-level uh, recognition. It's excellent. Very encouraging, actually. More of it, please. More of it. Okay, so let's move on to... The final part of the podcast, which is our favourite things. Would you like to go first, Manuela? I will indeed. Thank you, Ian. My favourite thing this week is a story that's just hot off the press. So, um, sort of theatred novelist Tony Parsons, author of Man and Boy, amongst other things, has been appointed a writer in residence at Heathrow Airport. How exciting. I am slightly envious. Um, so he's been appointed, old Tony, to write a piece of work um, called um, Departures, Seven Stories from Heathrow. Um, so he's going to be meeting the airport staff and travellers, looking for inspiration amongst Heathrow's five terminals, imagining what people's lives are like, whether who they're meeting, what's going on, why they're flying, why they're travelling. I mean, I think it's fascinating, actually, and I am very envious of this of this post. Apparently, the sort of wider aim for, for him as a writer, for Tony as a writer is to revive the airport fiction genre um, there's a novel that he mentions um, by someone called Arthur Healy who wrote a novel called Airport um, in the 60s that um, quoting from a, an article here that traced the lives, loves and plane related dramas of the people who worked and used a fictitious American airport so apparently he's trying to revive that genre. I am, in some ways, I'm a kind of... There's a little tinge in my heart, because I think, obviously, J.G. Ballard would be far better suited to this post, where he's still with us, and that would have been awesome to appoint him, given his sort of um, oeuvre as a, a, you know, amazing sort of dystopian kind of author writing about Heathrow and travelling and sort of how messed up everyone's lives are and the sort of structures. That's my fantasy uh, <laughs> um, writer-in-residence Heathrow, but I suppose we'll have to just make do with Tony Parsons. But it is interesting because I think airports are completely littered with stories and sort of potential inspiration, actually, much more so than any sort of other... Um, a lot of other public spaces because people are passing through and in a weird sort of interim zone. So what do you, th- what do you think of, of the writer-in-residence at, at Heathrow? Uh, do you think he's going to be... Is he going to be writing about staff or is he going to be writing about um, passengers and just people who he happens to see? How's he, work- how's he formulating the stories? You're thinking of Airport, the, thinking the, docu- of airport. the, the, <laughs> the docudrama series on, uh, on BBC, aren't you? The fellow with the goatee beard, I can't remember his name. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm thinking about. Um... I think, well, he's going to be writing fiction, isn't he? So I think it's it's going to be mainly... I think it's going to be mainly travellers, really. Although I'm sure, because, the you know, as Airport tells us, amongst other things, um, you know, the, the what goes on behind the scenes at airports to sort of make them work and, you know, the stories of people that work there and the sort of whole, you know, parallel lives that you never really think about. I mean, that's absolutely fascinating and a rich source of material too. So if there's seven stories, I wager maybe two about staff and five about travellers. That's my prediction. 
It will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they um, market it actually at the airport, or whether it becomes whether it's definitely. Sold elsewhere, or I'm sure it will be, but yeah, it was quite a. It's quite an. It's quite an, an odd place to be posted, isn't it? To have a post like that, it's quite. A, yeah, but brilliant, brilliant. Fantastic. Think of how much coffee you could drink and uh, brandy and uh, all over. You get to see all the sort of restricted bits of the airport. I think it sounds brilliant. Indeed. You might be terrified by how it all works by the end of it. <laughs> yes. Okay, um, so my favourite thing uh, this week is not something that I can especially link to, but it's kind of a... Um, it's a favourite thing, but it's also a... A public announcement. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Are we ready for this? Well, it's... I mean, I've talked about it before on Twitter and stuff. Uh, but basically, we're going to be... Um, there's going to be a Right for Your Life shop. Coming Fantastic. Soon. And in the Right for Your Life shop, you'll be able to purchase, amongst other things, but amongst other things which aren't quite finished yet, but um, it will be an iPad case and a Kindle case Marvellous. And they're going, uh, they are made out of Hessian. Yeah. And they are handmade by my fair wife. Yeah. Um, and I should be probably doing the cutting of the <laughs> material and the marketing. Hey, the that's great. Um, and so what we wanted to do is just make um, affordable uh, cases that are nice to look at, handmade, you know where they've come from. Yes. And, um, and that are... The sort of thing that you would just sort of throw in your bag. You don't know. You kind of you put your put your Kindle put your Kindle or iPad into the case, and then you put it in your bag, and you go to wherever you go without it getting scratched yeah. or anything like that. So it's not going to be sort of to carry around. You can't match it with your poncho. Uh, well, you could match it with your poncho if you just wanted to carry it around like a purse, but that's not what we were thinking. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's quite exciting, and um, and I think they'll be good. We're going to do. Very, very small runs, first of all, um, uh, just because we have no idea whether anyone wants this kind of thing. Um, but hopefully they will, and we'll turn it into... It'll be something that people can come to write for life for um, regularly. Super. I will definitely be placing an order. They also have a cool name. It's just called Hesse, because it's made out of Hesse. Uh, Hesse for iPad, Hesse for Kindle. That's a lovely name. I love that. I know you're not supposed to say it's a cool name when it's you that's thought of it. It's great, though. And it's not particularly revolutionary. But anyway, that's uh, just an announcement. There's Right for Life shop come in and we'll be selling Kindle and handmade Kindle and iPad cases. And they look lovely and I have one myself already. Um, Get in. Indeed. So uh, I think that's it. This is it's a fond farewell for now to uh, Manuela Boyle. Thank you very much for... Uh, the many episodes we've recorded in the past and um, it's been a pleasure I've loved it especially the disagreements yeah we've kind of saved the big argument till last but that's fine (laughs) and um, we shall speak to you soon don't forget you can subscribe in iTunes if you haven't already and leave a review because that's very helpful in many ways that I don't understand and um, until next time goodbye bye